Okay, so. Okay, there was a request. We're going to be on the recording. What? Whenever you're talking about the Bible study stuff uh-huh. and people are asking questions or sharing their input, can you repeat it? Because it doesn't get picked up on the recording. Who asked that? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll try. So anyway, so uh, I didn't record the prayer. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. So anyway, it's uh, if you got your Bibles, open up to Romans, the Book of Romans. If you can believe it, we're still in Romans. It's you know, we just got started. So anyway, uh, we're taking this kind of like more of a class Bible study. If you want to, if not, just come and I'll uh, teach to you. That's fine too. But we got done with Romans chapter two last week. But I gave you some tasks because I don't give homework. But I did give you some tasks if you wanted to do. And so there was some reading. Um, and then I also gave... Uh, so anyway, some of you guys haven't been in here since I started the Romans thing, so let me kind of back up for just a second. Um, she's not going to bother me, so don't worry about like bailing if she's crying, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, I would much rather you, you... I mean, I know the nursery's not open, so it's all good, okay? Uh, it, it's a bad deal. So anyway... Uh, the Romans thing, God laid this on my heart because it's it's easy for an ABF to say, okay, I'm going to teach through this book or I'm going to teach through that book. And you come in and you hear me uh, teach over some verses. You maybe apply it to your life, you maybe don't, uh, and you go about your you go about your day. And so I have this burden because my job as an ABF uh, teacher, pastor, whatever you want to call uh, that role, is to get you engaged, right? Uh, and so I had this this thought, um, this burden, whatever you want to call it, that um, we could do something together as a class as far as a study goes. Now, we read through the Bible last year uh, in a year, uh, those of us who, who did that, right? And so we made it through. Some of you guys were like super proud of yourself because it was the first time you read through the Bible from beginning to end. That's awesome. Right? And so this year, uh, instead of just reading through the Bible again, which is never bad, right? You can never read the Bible enough times. Uh, I wanted to take a different approach and show you what it's like to in-depth study a book of the Bible. And so um, we're going through, I'm just teaching through Romans, Right, and so each week uh, I'm giving you quote unquote tasks because I'm not giving homework. If you don't do it, that's on you. I don't care. That's between you and God. If you don't feel like I want to do it, then that's fine. I get it. Um, but some people in the class are like they have this burning desire to have more, like to 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 go deeper in their Bible study. And so I'm giving tasks. A lot of it is reading um, because. If you didn't know it, when you read the same thing over and over and over again, God continues to give you more and more and more. And then at the same time, uh, I'm showing you how to pull out key verses and key words and things like that as we go through it. And then soon enough, we'll kind of backtrack and I'll show you how to do some simple outlines. And you guys can hopefully by the time we're done... uh, you'll know how to take a book even as big as the book of Romans and and break it down for yourself, right? And so some of you are already seeing since we've started doing this how I make my my outlines uh, each week. And it's just like, oh, well, it's, it's really not an art like I thought it was. It's just, uh, it's right there in the text every week. And so anyway, so uh, last week uh, the task was what? It was, so there was some reading, but what was the what was the main thing if somebody, uh, anybody, anybody got that? What was it? Yeah, I said, we just finished chapter 2, so I said, go back and try to find what you think is the key verse of chapter 2, right? And so some chapters, we had this conversation last night um, with some people, uh, some chapters, 
the key verse is pretty much the key verse, right? You're either right or wrong. Um, and that's fine if you're wrong. And in some, cha- or some chapters, it's kind of a little more, there, there's a few things it could be. And so I, I knew that chapter 2 was like that. And so I told you, you pick what you think your key verse was, and then uh, I want you to somehow support it, right? Tell me why you think that's what it is. Because if you have good enough reasoning for it, then you're not wrong. And so uh, somebody give me uh, what they think uh, the, the key verse of Romans chapter 2 was. Wow, everybody all at once. Um, nobody, huh? Right? Meredith, what was the key verse of Romans chapter 2? I, I called on you now. What, what was the key verse of Romans chapter 2? Uh, I said it was 2-1. Uh, 2-1, okay. You, Roman, okay, so let me just read that really quick. Romans 2 one says, Therefore thou art an inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for when, uh, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So give me a, I don't need like a, a, a con- complete, like, but give me a quick, like, little bit of a reason as to why you think 2 1. It doesn't have to be in depth, it's fine. I don't know, I can't think of it. Yeah, I can't think of it. I have to go through the whole thing. The whole thing? Yeah. Just do it. It's a quick read, you guys. I don't want to think about it. It won't be on the recording, though, so. She just hands you a key. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to read it, you can read it. Huh? That's a lot. It is a lot. I want something. I just want something, you know. Anything? Anyway, the whole point here is I, I think that she justified herself with the three pages she wrote about it. Um, uh, the point is, uh, the point is, uh, she found a verse that she thought, you know, this is this is where it's it's based on, right? And she was able to support it, and that's the whole point. Is there anybody uh, who got a different verse than that? Um, what? What was? I don't, I don't want to be wrong. What was the verse you got? Because I got a different verse as well. I have a different verse as well. Not, and I'm not saying that mine is right, but I have uh, Romans 2:11 for there is no respect of persons but God. That's a good verse as well. <laughs> yes, I know. That's very true. That there is no respect of persons with God. Is there a reason that you? Well, just because I feel like it's one, it's right in the middle, and it ties the it ties everything together. But there is no respect whether you're Jew or Gentile. There is no respect whether you're lawful or lawless, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Who you are in your flesh, you're on a you're on a level playing field in God's eyes. There is no respect of persons with God. It's very true. The verse that. Uh that I picked out going through this, um, and I didn't spend a ton of time on it, but I spent enough time going through this over and over and over again. That uh, uh, Candace, did you have a verse? Maybe. What was it? Uh, Two thirteen, but to be doer of the law, because I don't want to just hear it and know it, but not act it out. And it's like, you know, he's talking about basically, you know, the Jews are all about like, well, I know this and I can boast in what God says, but they don't do anything with it. I knew that's that's very that's very true. I knew chapter two was going to be like this. That's why sometimes I just ask you, like, remember chapter one? I was like, hey, just find the verse because I I knew that if you didn't pick basically sixteen and seventeen, then you were you were off track, right? Um, but you kind of knew because I had you memorize that the week before that maybe that was the right direction to go. Anyway, uh, I. Uh, 
I think the key verse in Romans chapter 2 is verse 12 um, because like Paige said, it does tie the two together, um, the first half and the second half because remember, uh, Romans chapter 2 is divided into two halves, right? He's talking to the... Romans. So, so if you didn't know this, Romans chapter 1, um, he has his introduction, right? And then he, he rolls right into uh, the condemnation... Of three different groups, right? In the second part of chapter 1, he has the condemnation of the heathen. Uh, basically, anybody who is lost and knows they're lost, and they're okay with the fact that they're lost, right? So he condemns them uh, with, uh, with just the truth of God's Word. He gets into chapter 2, uh, in the first half of chapter 2, um, down to uh, verse 16, uh, is his condemnation of the quote-unquote good lost people, which there is no such thing, but if there was one, I, I, I called them the uh, the white-collar sinner, right? Uh, the I'm better than you, my sin isn't as bad as yours. Well, guess what? Your your good sin is just as bad as his bad sin, and you're going to end up in the same spot. But uh, I'm not going down that road. Um, anyway, so... Uh, so yeah, that's the first half. And then the second half of chapter 2, he gets into the religious, right? And then that bleeds into what we're going to get into today. But uh, So it kind of does break the two apart, but Romans 2.12 says, For as many as have sinned without the law, so all shall perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. He, can, he, he basically breaks down, because Romans chapter 2 is broken into two halves, um, you know, the... the, uh, the people who know it and the people who don't, the Jew and the Gentile, right? And at the end of the day, he, he breaks it down and he says, it doesn't matter if you knew it or you didn't know it, you're still guilty of it. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I didn't know the law, right? And so we talked about this in HBI here just recently, and I do want to hit this before I get into chapter 3. Um, God will not, and so some people, this might be a shocker to you, God will not judge you by the Bible if you never heard the Bible. What? That doesn't make any sense. God will judge you by the law that is written in your heart. Right? He will judge you by the law that you did live by. You know, well, I didn't have a law. You were born with a conscience. Right? God is not going to judge you by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as written in the Bible if you never heard it in your life. God condemns you uh, by the sin that's in your life. Right? Your sin is what condemns you. you know, it's not the fact that you, uh, that, you, that you didn't accept Christ. Yeah, you have to accept Christ to get eternal life. You're bound to hell because of your sin. Right? Your sin is what condemns you. And so you might say, well, I never, I never knew what the Bible said. God's not going to judge you by the Bible, then that's fine. If you were the guy who lived on an island that never heard the Word of God, then that's fine. You still had some sort of moral standard in your life. You still knew that I shouldn't uh, sleep with my neighbor's wife. Well, I didn't have a neighbor on this island. You still knew that you shouldn't uh, look at that tree nicer than you looked at that tree. Right? Or whatever you did. You had some sort of standard uh, of right and wrong. And you might say, well... I never did any wrong, but I did some good things. Well, your good condemned you as well because you knew that that good was better than something else. There was some sort of standard that you couldn't keep, and that is what God will condemn you by. So, uh, does everybody, like, I hope nobody disagrees with that, but I mean, your sin is what condemns you, right? It's not the Bible that condemns you because that's where people get the fact that, that's why I don't go to church because the Bible, the Bible doesn't condemn you. The Bible shows light on the fact that you are a sinner. The Bible shows light on the fact that you were wrong in the first place. You were wrong before you ever read the Bible. The Bible's just showing you that, hey, you're wrong. So what should you do about it? And so that's the whole point. So that, that kind of answers a question that some people ask at times. But anyway, uh, the, whether it's uh, 2 1, 2 11, 12, or 13, those are all, there, there's a reason that 11, 12, and 13, they all kind of mash right there together, right? And so uh, that's really good. So the whole point of this study in Romans is to provoke. Bible study, right? Not just on Sunday morning for 50 minutes uh, or an hour or however long I go, but 
it's to provoke personal study of the Word of God in your life, right? And so anyway, so let's jump into chapter 3 because that's where we're at. And so uh, chapter 3 is going to take a minute. Uh, I'll just tell you that now. Chapter 3 is broken into a few different sections, um, and it's going to take a minute to get there. So remember... Uh, Chapter 1, he condemned the heathen. Chapter 2, he condemned the, the righteous sinner. Well, guess what? They forgot the self part in front of it because that's what that person is. They're self-righteous, and that condemns them as well. He goes in uh, in the second part of chapter 2. We talked about this last week, uh, and he condemned the religious person. Remember, he, he got in, he started in verse 17, because the Jews of their day... They thought they were something special. They were the only person, they were the only people that God had ever said, I choose you. And they were like, yeah, He chose me. But the problem is they never took what they gave them to somebody else. They, they failed on that part. They were, they were given the stewardship of getting God's goodness to the world and they kept it for themselves. Bad deal, right? So it's the same thing that we can be guilty of today if, the, if we, we say, yeah, we need to go out and evangelize. Yeah, we need to tell people about Christ, but we never do it. Okay, well, you're just as Jew, guilty as the Jews are. Anyway, so he condemns the Jews. He, he, he condemned the wicked sinner in chapter 1. He gets into the self-righteous sinner in chapter 2 and the whole time the Jews are sitting back in this letter because they're sitting back and they're like, yeah, that's right, Paul. I knew you were a Jew too, right? It's about time you finally got on our side. And he, he condemns them, right? And, and so the Jews are sitting back all self-righteous-like because yes, we knew it the whole time. And then he jumps in in like 17, 18, 19. He's like, he starts poking at their pride. And, and they're just taking it. They're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were given the oracles of God. We know all these things, right? And then what's Paul do? We have to go back and listen to the recording from last week. But he like jerks it right out from under him. He starts throwing haymakers at these guys because he's like, oh, by the way, you think you're better and you're not. The reason the Gentiles act like wicked sinners is because you provoke them to do it. The fact that you live all self-righteous makes them think I want nothing to do with that. And so they're like, by the time chapter two is over, uh, you know, they're 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 all bloodied up. You know, they they've been. They've been gotten after it, right? And, and if you get the, like the boxing analogy or whatever I'm getting at, but like, they're all, oh my gosh, he just really laid it on us. What do we do? So you roll into chapter three. The first part of chapter three, all the way down to really verse, uh, well, he's, he's speaking directly to them and, and up till like verse eight or nine. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Well, we're not going to get all the way through it, but, uh, the, the first eight or nine verses. And so, he, he just basically lays it on them, and so now, immediately, he knows that they've got some questions, because he's a Jew. He knows that these are specific questions that they're going to ask, the religious, the Jew, the same boat that we would be in, because, you know, well, obviously we're not Jewish, right? But we would be, if we were found in one of these three categories, we're not the heathen, uh, we're not the, the self-righteous sinner, uh, because we might be self-righteous, but those guys were still even lost. Like, I'm talking to you as a group, uh, Assuming that we're saved, you're here at nine o'clock. If you're not, you know you need to be anyway. Uh, so you get into. Uh, I know that we're not a Jew, but if we're going to fall into one of these three, three categories, this would be the one, right? We know the Word of God. We know the will of God. The things that it says in chapter two, right? So he knows what they're going to ask. Why does he know that? Because Paul, for the last several years on his missionary trips, has been going up and down the coastline of Macedonia, right? Preaching the Word of God in the synagogues. Well, guess what's in the synagogue? Jewish people. 
the same questions that he was asked time and time and time again because he's teaching the same thing that he's basically writing out in the book of Romans. Uh, He's already heard these things. He's already heard these questions. And so here are, here's your title. Here's 11 questions the religion person, the the religion person, 11 questions the religious person has for God. And these are taken right out of the text, except for I reworded them. Um, 11 questions... uh, the, the religious person has for God. So he just basically laid it on the Jewish, uh, the Jews, right? Uh, he, he basically called them out. Uh, if you were here last week, hopefully when you left, uh, the Word of God kind of called you out a little bit. Uh, it puts you in a spot where it's like, okay, yeah, I need, I need to grow, right? So here are immediately, because Paul's like, I already know you've got some questions. So he asked them uh, in the form of questions. We know because there are question marks in your Bible, right? Uh, but, but he asked them for the Jews because they, he already knows they're going to ask, right? So, so here's 11 questions the religious person has for God. The religious person has for God because the Jews are like, well, what good does it do then, right? And so let's just jump right into it. Let me, let me just read through the first nine verses. That's where it's at. This is their first question. What did... Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid! Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar, as it is written, thou mightest be justified in the sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet, uh, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, parentheses, uh, as we be slanderously reported, as some men affirm that we say, uh, end of parentheses, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have uh, before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So we know how it ends. You're all under sin. And you read through that and you're like, okay, there's a lot of questions there. I have no idea what I just read. Right? It's a lot like uh, the end of chapter 2 when he said circumcision like 72 times. And you're like, there's something there. I just can't understand it. Right? Or uh, when he talks about earlier on in chapter 2, he talks about how uh, the, uh, you're going to live in the law, without the law, around the law, uh, on top of the law, below the law. What is that? You... Paul has a way of saying things that it's like, man, there's a lot of truth in there. I just have a hard time figuring out what he's saying. Right? If I could just get it. Well, let me break it down for you. Because that's what you do, right? You read through the Bible because that's what we're supposed to do. God says, get in the Word daily. We get in the Word and we're like, okay, I read it, but I'm struggling here. Uh, I'm struggling because that's confusing, right? That old English man, just give me the, give me the, 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 the new age, you know, construction working Bible. Maybe it'll help me out. No, that's not what you need. You don't need somebody to uh, rephrase the Bible in a way that you can understand it. Because when they do that, they change the words of the Bible and you don't get the same thing. So uh, that's not what you need. What you need is to slow down. And that's what I'm going to help you do. And look at these things one by one. So here's the first question that they ask. Because this is what the religious person, we know that in this context he's talking to the Jews. But we're not Jewish in here. And so without just saying, well, because we're not Jewish, we're going to skip it over, uh, we need to apply it to us. These are the things that the religious person, now I know we're not religious, right? Don't, don't call me religious, that hacks me off. Uh, but... Uh, the, the Christian, right? The the one who's following God. These are questions that we have for God then because if we are no better than they, then here's some questions that I got. These are what the church wants to ask. Here's your first one. What advantage is there for being religious? What advantage is there for being a Jew? That's what they say. What advantage then hath the Jew? 
What advantage is there of, of being a good Catholic, right? What advantage is there uh, of, of doing all these things? What, what is the advantage that comes? That's the first question that, that they ask. And Paul's like, yeah, I already knew you were going to ask that, right? And really, before he can even get an answer, they ask another question. Isn't that kind of how it works? When somebody's losing an argument, what do they do? They just start throwing question after question after question because they're like, man, maybe they can't keep up with all the answers. You know, so, so here's your first one. What advantage is there for being religious? Well, well, let me just give you a couple really quickly, right? Because sometimes Paul doesn't give you uh, all the answers. Uh, it, he's just allowing you to figure it out. But let me give you a few. Your, 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 your God's chosen people. The Jews are like, what advantage is there being a Jew? Uh, I don't know. Think back to what Grandpa Abraham. Uh, God said, you are my chosen dude. I'm going to use you for all eternity. That's, that's reason enough. Is it not? Right? Well, I'm not a Jew, Jason, so what advantage is there of being uh, religious? What advantage is there of coming to church? You inherit the promises of God. God says, hey, I've got some promises for you, son. Well, what are they? Uh, are you going to make me rich? Are you going to give me a big house and a fancy car? Nope, none of those. <laughs> but I am going to grant you eternal life. Well, that doesn't do me any good right now. Praise God that it doesn't. Because if you didn't... You, you, this is what I think happens, right? And so... <clears throat> excuse me. I know you because I am you, right? And so you're like, yeah, I get it. The eternal life thing, that sounds great. But what about my now life? Well, I think you forgot the, the first word of the thing. It's not like he's going to give you life because Christ does give you life in this life. Does that make sense? What we forget is that eternal word. He, he, he promises you life forever. He promises you life, purpose, meaning, uh, desire, all of those things for eternity. And you're like, yeah, but what about my next few years, right? What about tomorrow? i got something to do. You miss the eternal. We're so caught up in the temporal, the everyday, the right now, what do I got? Hey, I get it. I've got bills to pay, right? I get it. I, I got a family uh, to take care of. Uh, I got a job to go to. I got ministry. I got all. I get it. Stop worrying about now and start thinking about eternity. If your mind's not focused on that, you're all jacked up. If you're so worried about, you know, where your next investment's going to be, if you're so worried about what your next uh, house plan's going to be that you're going to build, hey, right here, that's where I'm at, right? If you're so worried about uh, what's next on. Guess what? God's like, man, your focus is off, dude. I get it. You get saved, you get life. But we, we, we like to leave off that eternal word. Oh, we'll pick that up in eternity. Man, you need to start living eternity right now. Does that mean that you just quit working? Nope, sorry, it's not how it works either. Um, but you get to work for Him. Right? You get to do those things for Him. You inherit the promises of God. God promises you these things. The Jews, they, God promised them four things with the Abrahamic covenant, right? And I don't know if you remember these things when we went through Genesis like a year and a half ago or however long ago it was, but uh, He promises the Jews a name, right? He says, I'll give you a good name, a great name, a name that's going to last for uh, a land. You know, He says, hey, you see that land over there as far as you can see? That's yours. And over there as far as you can see? That's yours. And the same thing over here and over here. That didn't mean that, you know, just as far as they could see, that was theirs. The picture was, it's all yours. It's nobody else's. That was the picture, right? Uh, he says, I'm going to give you a name, a land, a seed. You know, there's a son coming. And Abraham's like, uh, I'm old. 
and so is my wife. Right? You could have just said you were old Abraham. That was enough. You didn't have to throw your wife into this thing. But uh, a seed and a blessing. Right? He promises that that's what... That, what do you mean what advantage is there for being a Jew? You have the promises of God. What do you mean what advantage is there for being a Christian? Man, i, I got to live by all these rules. and You're guaranteed, granted, promised purpose in life for eternity. Well, no, He promises eternal life. You're right, He does. What, what is it that people are always searching for? Man, I just I want to know my meaning and my purpose. Man, you want to know your meaning and your purpose? Stop searching for it and get in the Word. Because it's right there. Right? He guarantees those things. Right? You inherit the promises of God. You're no longer bound to sin. Oh my gosh! Man, I don't think y'all are picking up what I'm putting down. Because, uh, yeah, you're given eternal life. You're given all these things. I no longer have to sin anymore. Do I sin? Yeah, sometimes. It sucks. Right? I'm, I'm struggling with this flesh thing I got on. Um, but, man, when, when, you're, when you're trying to, to share this with the world and the Jews are like, well, what advantage is there even for, for being a Jew? Or the Christian's like, what even advantage is there for being uh, a Christian? Right? If, all I, if, 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 really it's, if I'm not any better, what Paul had just said, because they're condemned, right? And they just got the nose all bloodied up. And they're like, if I'm no better, then what's the point? Right? If, if, if I am saved, but I'm really not uh, any better because I'm under sin than, than the lost person, then what's the point? Well, you just said what the point was. You're saved. Right? You're set apart. Yeah, are you still bound by sin? You're no longer bound by it. You no longer have to sin. Too many... I love it when people give me the argument, yeah, I'll, I, maybe I'll get on that church thing someday, but I don't like all the rules and regulations and the things that you got to do. And I'm like, huh, that's funny. Because I'm not bound by anything, but you're bound by something. And they're like, what are you talking about? I can do anything I want. i got a challenge for you, Mr. I can do anything I want. Go one day. Just one day. All right, I tell you what, I'll give you a break. Go an hour. Go one hour without doing something that's going to separate you from God. Just one hour. Well, I don't have to do that because I can do whatever I want. You're proving the point. You can't go one hour without lying and stealing and cheating and you know thinking these things in your mind that you ought not be thinking. All those things. You can't do it. You are bound by it. Yeah, but I like it. <laughs> Just because you like being in prison doesn't change the fact that you're in prison. Right? It doesn't change the fact you're still there. I'm not bound by anything. Should I live by this book to glorify God? Yeah, I ought to. If I don't, does it change the fact that I'm going to be in eternity? No. I might have less clothes on than you do, but you know, we'll talk about that later on. Um, but the whole point is you're bound by sin if you're lost. What advantages are there of, of, being, of being religious, right? of being a Christian? You're no longer bound by sin. Hallelujah. Right? Does that mean you're not going to sin anymore? No, but you're at least going to have the, the proper type of conviction. And God's going to now deal with you as a child as opposed to an infidel. Right? God is going to do those things. But, the last thing I got for this one, because you know, i got 11 things to get through in 14 minutes. But, remember, because I just told you all the things that you get for being a Christian, for being quote-unquote religious. I hate that word, but it, it works because I'm talking about Jews. and you know. But remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Luke 12, 48, if you want to jot a reference down, I'm not going to read it. But You're like, well, what do you mean? God gave you all of that, but guess what? Now, because you have all of that, you're held to a higher standard. Right? You're held to a higher standard. Do you hold... Now, 
it doesn't have to be this way. And so you're going to get this as I go through this because this is fresh on my mind, uh, this child training thing because I'm getting ready to, to do a child training uh, class. But uh, do you hold all your children to the same quote-unquote standard? I mean, like... You're supposed to obey. You're not supposed to. Obey. Yeah, you, you hold them to that standard. But sometimes uh, we know that some of them, like I know, uh, my 16-year-old knows more about certain things than my 11-year-old daughter does. There's a little bit of a different standard there, right? Does it mean that I uh, I uh, don't expect one to obey or the other? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But because uh, one has more knowledge, one is held to a higher standard of that knowledge. Correct? Uh, when you get saved. I knew nothing about this book at all when I got saved. Sitting at a stop sign out here by the Walmart Distribution Center. Nothing at all. Other than what uh, uh, Brian had been like preaching. I'm telling you. I knew nothing. I didn't know nothing about Noah or an ark. I didn't know nothing about uh, Adam or an apple or whatever fruit they was eating. I, I didn't know none of that. Um, but I did know that my sin was separating me from God. I knew that. And that was enough to put my faith in Christ. Okay? God held me as a baby Christian to a different standard then than he does now. Why? Because I have a whole lot more knowledge now. Did, did, did me getting saved stop me from uh, going and uh, getting, uh, I know, shocker, uh, getting drunk for the first several months of my salvation? No, because I really didn't know any better. I knew I probably ought not drink that much. And I always told myself I wasn't going to. Uh, but God had more grace, right? He held me to a different standard. If I was to even consider that now, right, there's going to be a different standard. Am I saying that you're uh, unholy if you drink? No, that's not what I'm talking about. We'll get that conversation a different day, different time. Um, that's just the example I'm using, right? The point is, to whom much is given, the more God has given me over the years, much is required, right? You picking up what I'm throwing down? Because some of you got this look on your face like, uh, I'm speaking Spanish. I'm not speaking Spanish. Y'all know what I'm saying. You just don't want to hear it. Come on now. Um, he's given you the truth. He's given you what you need to know. But man, now, you, now you're held to it. And that's where the Jews were at. The reason Paul was so rough on these guys is because, man, you guys knew better. And you're still doing it. To whom much is given. So they're like, what advantage is there for being religious? Much is given, much is required. Number two, I'm at least going to get through two of these. And Romans 3 really going to take a while. In the same verse, he asks another question. He says, what profit or what advantage hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? Man, we're going to get right back into this talk. No, not really. Um, here's the second question, right? She's like, yeah, what advantage is there? Because uh, I don't even know what that means. Right? Uh, here's your second question. What is, what is the advantage of me changing myself to obey God? What's the advantage of me, Christian, right? I got saved. Yeah, awesome. I got my get into heaven free ticket. I'm, I'm good to go. What advantage is there then, Paul, if I'm no better than they? Uh, what advantage is there of me changing myself to obey God? Why do I have to stop doing this and this? And why do I need to start doing that and that? If I'm no better, what's the point? Well, that's a really good self-righteous question of you to ask. right? That's a really good self-righteous question for you to ask. Paul doesn't answer this question specifically in the text until chapter 4. And so I'm not going to give you a text answer. I'm going to give you some logical answers for us today and we'll put it on hold for several weeks until we get to chapter 4 because he's going to answer it again then so there's no reason for me to right what advantage is there of me of changing myself to God right well, let me let me just tell you physical circumcision like today um, 
as far as spirituality goes, there's not any profit. So, I mean, if, like, if that's what you're really thinking, there's none. <laughs> okay? Uh, you being uh, physically circumcised does not matter as far as spirituality goes, right? Uh, there's, there's, I'm not even going to get into that, okay? Wrong, wrong place, wrong time. As far as that goes, if you're like really wondering, like, do I need to uh, make sure I circumcise my baby boy because he's going to be more spiritual? Well, make sure you do it uh, before he gets sprinkled uh, at the Catholic Church. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> None of that either. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> there's no there's no spiritual benefit in it. Okay, so just a quick answer of your question, uh, Mr. Jew. There is no benefit uh, in that. There's none at all. No benefit in that in that circumcision. Okay, uh, but I will say this: being transformed by the Word of God. What advantages are me changing myself? Being transformed by the Word. There's a lot of profit in that. So for as, as, as little profit as there was in going and getting circumcised, there's equally as much profit in, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, as much profit in allowing the Word of God to transform you. Right? And so if that's the question you're asking, what good does it do for me to apply the principles of God in my life? Should I just go around the room and allow everybody to give a, a testimony uh, as to what advantage there is of the Word of God being in their life? No, I don't really need to because you guys already know. You live it. And if you're not living it, you can at least see it. That's the awesome thing about coming into the church. Maybe you haven't felt it in your life, but man, I can see it in that person's life. I can tell you that I, uh, 12 years ago, however how many years ago it was, I don't even know anymore, right? I got saved in 2008, right? I'm not a very good, I'm not very good at math. But uh, anyway, I got, uh, however many years ago, I didn't look like this. Uh, I didn't talk like this. I promise, I talked something completely different. Uh, it, was, it wasn't like this. Um, but God transformed me. And it's not just to me, because I could be like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I did that myself. Maybe I'm just that good. Okay, well, no, I've seen it happen in her life, in his life. You know, I can go around the room. I've seen it happen. I've, I've watched the transformation, right? I watched, I, I physically watched God transform Brady Barnes' life in front of my in front of my eyes, right? I mean, and I go around the room. I've, I've seen it happen, and I just use that as an example because you guys know that uh, we disciple Holly and Brady, and so like I, I've seen it happen. That's what the advantage is, right? Uh, why do I need to do that? As for as little as physical circumcision is going to do for you today, uh, allowing the Word of God to transform you, it's going to do that much more, right? You're glorified. Here's another reason. If you're like, well, what advantage is there of me even doing all this, right? Why do I even need to obey the Word? Why? Well, let me let me give you another one. Because if that's not enough, if physical transformation right now, looking different in this life, allowing you to look like God instead of what you used to look like, right? Because if you didn't know. You look like little Christ now. You're a son of God if you're saved. Uh, I know. Much is given, much is required. Uh, here's another one. If, you, if that wasn't enough for you, your glorified body, remember a minute ago we were talking about eternal life. So, you know, for that eternity that you're not worried about right now because you're so worried about the temporal. But if you did start thinking about eternity because, you know, that's, that's like a hundred plus forever. What does that equal? Well, that equals eternity. Uh, eternity, your eternal life you will be given a different body. You're not going to look like this. And so that, uh, that glorified body that you're going to get, well, that's, that should be reason to want to act a little different now. That should be reason to answer number two. What advantage is there of me changing myself to obey God? Because everything that you do to glorify God from the day you get saved moving forward is adding to your glorified body. Right? 
Well, so I, I, uh, I helped an old lady cross the street. That doesn't help, right? Uh, well, uh, I changed a diaper in the nursery, but I didn't really want to be there. That doesn't help. Um, I led a person to Christ. Uh, I, I put myself last, and I put God first, and I allowed God to work through me. Oh, now you're getting some sparkly shoes for that glorified body, right? Oh, you know, so everything that you do is adding to that glorified body. Right? So, does it change the fact that you're going to be there once you get saved? No. You get saved, you're guaranteed eternal life. Right? Nobody, nobody doubts that. But, everything that you do from the time you get saved, moving forward, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Your sin will not. It was judged on the cross. So, everything that you did that was good for God, now builds that glorified body. The thief on the cross, right next to Christ, what did he say? He said, remember... He said, Lord, make sure you remember that because some of your newer Bible translations don't say that. They take the fact that he was just another dude. And he said, Lord, remember me when, when I don't remember the exact phrasing, but when you, when you get to paradise, right? And he said, uh, what, what, is, what is the... And basically, he, he says, yes, uh, I'll see you there, right? So meaning, the thief on the cross never did a good work for Christ in his entire life. But he's going to be in eternity. And I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. I would rather be the least person in eternity than the best person in hell. Right? I would rather be that. So the thief on the cross never did a good work in his life for God. But he's still there. So should that be our standard? No. Your standard should be I want to do as much for God. I want to take wagons full of fruit uh, to God when I get there. Okay? I want there to be so much fruit to my account that I know not even of. Think about that. Think about the fact that that person you witnessed to that didn't get saved, well, you know, later on, they were convicted. <clears throat> they read the Bible. They got saved. Uh, they ended up, you know, going out as a missionary. You never even knew this. You never knew they got saved. Uh, and, and millions of people get saved because of their... Guess what? That is all fruit to your account that you know not of. Right? Just because you don't know doesn't mean that it's not there. So the whole point is, our standard shouldn't be the thief on the cross. The standard should be, I'm saved, I want to do as much for God as I can. Not because it makes me look good, because it makes God look good. That is what builds... So you want to know, what advantage is there of me changing my, myself to obey God? Well, without getting into Paul's answer in chapter 4, there's some reasons, right? There's a lot of profit in it. Your glorified body is built on the way that you live for Him. And... Let me just give you one more reason. One more advantage there is of you changing your life to obey God. And, and this might be the most important one to me. Um, and we'll just stop here. Because there is always... No, always is kind of like eternal. Uh, it's, it's like an absolute standard. Uh, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Uh, well, God wins. Uh, so let me just say that. Uh, the mountain moves. Uh, that, that's what happens uh, because there's nothing unmovable because God created it. So you know, next time somebody asks you that, then you can just tell them that. Uh, God wins. Uh, there's always... Always, always, always. I can scream it at the top of my lungs. There's always. There's eternal. There's always. There's never a time that it's like, God, oh, we forgot to do it this time. There is always blessing. God doesn't forget. There's always blessing in simple obedience. There's never a time when you're just simply obedient that God doesn't bless it. Well, what does that mean? There's never a time when God says, hey, just do this. And you're like, well, I just don't know. 
I'm getting ready to teach this this child training class uh, on on Wednesday nights coming up pretty quick. And so my mind is like really it's it's spinning fast because I don't have my notes done, and so it's, there's like a deadline now. And so anyway, there's, this is like on my mind, right? There is never a time, never a time, when God doesn't bless just simple obedience, because I said so. Well, I want to know. Okay, God blesses simple obedience. Right? You don't have to know why. You don't have to know all the reasoning. I don't need to know uh, the the dispensations, and I don't need to know uh, the covenants, and I don't need to know... It's good to know those things. I don't need to know those things to know that God is going to simply bless my simple obedience every single time. We need help in the, in the nursery. We need help in uh, the sound booth. We need help uh, in the youth ministry. We need help in uh, uh, in life, right? Man, I, just be simple, obedient, right? Well, I don't know why. I want to know what profit is there for me. Because God blesses simple obedience. That's the profit. Is that not enough? Tell me a time that you were simply obedient and God didn't bless it. As a wife, if, if you're just simple, obe- simply obedient to your husband... Even though he's a knothead, I know, I know the guy, right? Even though he's a knothead and he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, if you're simply obedient to that, God's going to bless that. Well, how's God going to bless that? Because you are covered. And there's blessing in that. There is never a time when you read the Word of God and you're like, I don't see the, I don't see the point in that. Well, guess what? The same way that your wife didn't see the point in listening to what, what you just said, knothead, uh, you don't have to understand. Just do. And God's going to bless it. Right? You want to know what, what advantage is there of me changing myself to obey God? That's the advantage. Because God will bless simple obedience eternal times. Every time. Always. No confusion, right? Because that's the point. So, okay, we made it through one verse. Man, we're on a roll. Man, I really thought... And so, I gave myself some credit. Because I knew. I know myself. And so I'm like, 11 things... I know we've got to do some review at the beginning. I'm probably only going to get through half of these. And that's okay. Like I'll just I'll just break it into half. So two of eleven, that's almost fifty percent. I mean I, I told you I wasn't very good at math, so perfect. Anyway, uh, let's pray. Anybody got any questions? Uh, huh? It was like that statement was like eighteen That's like fifty. It's close. We round up. Right? Uh, I don't I didn't really write any tasks down. Uh, I want you to read chapter three some more. What? You're disappointed? <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Or maybe I didn't get them on recording. Uh, anyway, so my, well, here here would be my task, right? Because we just we just we just wrapped up chapter two. It's done. Uh, I want you to read chapter three uh, five times. And it's always going to be the whatever chapter we're in. I'm always going to tell you read it five times. Uh, you can. We don't have to get that far yet because we're going to be in chapter three for a minute. If you're just really zealous, you can start writing it, um, but you don't have to yet. Um, I would say, so here's an assignment for, not an assignment, I'm sorry, a task for you uh, if you really want to get into it. Uh, there's there's nine more questions. Uh, find them, which is not that hard because there's a question mark after them. Uh, <laughs> but find out what... Find out what God's trying to say. Find out what Paul's, what God's trying to say through Paul, uh, because some of them get pretty good. I, I, I like really like some of these questions because um, he's basically they let, 
they try to put Paul between a rock and a hard place, and Paul's like, come on now. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, you sinning does not uh, help God, so uh, stop trying to say that. Uh, so anyway, look through these questions, figure out what they're, what they're trying to say, um, and, uh, and answer them. Are we reading the whole book again? If you want to. Yes, read the book once. You want to? You want to? I. Uh, yeah, read read the book once. So that gives you three chapters a day if you do that. If you read whatever chapter we're in five times and you read the book once throughout the week, it gives you three chapters a day. Or three, yeah, three chapters a day. So that's how we're doing it. So it just really engulfs your mind in the book of Romans. So, um, And if you're really zealous, read a proverb a day. It's good for you. Um, let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for the past point class, Lord. And uh, I thank you for the patience with me as we only get through one verse. Uh, God, I, I do thank you for your word. It's really good. And uh, these questions that uh, we know Paul was addressing the Jews, but uh, us as the Christian, us as the quote-unquote religious people, uh, God, these things are really spot on in our life. So I do pray that we're right with you. We do understand that uh, there's there's so much profit in the fact that uh, we get to uh, steward your word. We get to uh, be a part of what you're doing. You've granted us eternal life. We don't have to, to focus on the junk of the world. We can just focus on you. Uh, and so, Lord, I do pray that... We see the advantage in, in changing ourselves to be like you. Uh, Lord, the verse I left out was Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, you, you've asked us, you've called us to basically lay our lives out as a living sacrifice. And so there's so much profit in that and just the simple obedience that comes with that. So, God, I pray you just use these verses, um, use these things in our lives. I pray you just send us out as lights in a dark world. Lord, we do pray for this Gold's family again. It's, it's a rough time. But, Lord, I pray that you just show yourself so mighty in this situation. We pray for the Fosters. Um, um, Lord, we pray for uh, just the, the past point class as a whole, um, just that you would just use us, uh, allow us to be a part of what you're doing uh, in the world. And so, uh, Lord, I pray you just uh, bless the, the, the preaching this morning as Brian opens the word, that we would just take it and apply it to our lives in Christ's name. Amen.